Okay, so let me ask you a question. What do you get when you combine a brand consultation with happy hour? The Be Meaningful Podcast, an unrehearsed, unscripted, lively conversation about a real brand in real time. With us, the founders of Meaningful, an agency that helps brands find a meaningful place in the world. Okay, let's dive in. So here we are. We've wrapped up season one, uh, and we're not really starting season two yet. But do you know what we're doing? What? Well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about crypto and blockchain, and we're going to do that with a guy named Matt, who has the last name, but I can't tell you what it is because it's a crypto thing. Uh, He's a core developer in a DAO. They do tokens, non-fungible tokens, and he and I have been talking about this stuff for the last few months, and so I asked him to come on and talk to us about it um, because he gets it. I don't. And I want to, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people that do. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take the uh, lull during the holidays before we start Mm -hmm. up season two. And we're going to talk to Matt about DeFi, decentralized finance. It's cool. Buckle up. Yeah, buckle up. Here we go. Welcome, welcome to the podcast, Matthew. Matt, Matt, I'm actually really excited to be here. Yeah. Matt, meet Bogey, Bogey, meet Matt. Um, Nice to meet you. So Matt is. uh, uh, not an old soul, but a kindred spirit. Um, got a lot of energy. He and I uh, <laughs> really enjoy listening and interrupting each other. And we t- take zero offense to the interruption. So I love that guy. Um, very New York, high energy. I like it. We started talking about everything far and wide, including cryptocurrency and blockchain. And that's now his second job and potentially his career. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, like, that's going to yeah. be really great when that, right. when that day happens. And so I, like probably 99.9% of people in this country know less than zero about cryptocurrency and blockchain, but we have this rumbling in the background that like, we should know what it is because it is rolling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so, um, we thought how much fun would it be to have Matt, uh, since he's in that industry. Um, yeah. Um, it's been a history, you know, there's, there yep. was a start where like I was you and I knew less than zero about it, but I was a big, you know, internet kid. So you start to hear rumblings and then you're like, oh man, I remember when Bitcoin came out, I was too busy playing World of Warcraft though. And then like, you know, then you kind of like Ethereum happened and I was like, oh shit, this is like a whole new level. Um, but yeah, yeah. So now that I've been in it since early 2017, which is a bummer because like you look back at all the money that you spent like messing around with the ecosystem and you're like, oh shit, how much money is that worth now? And you're like, oh, well, that was one shot at retirement, like, you know, <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, I mean, well, what are you going to do? Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's really crazy because now I work on a development team and uh, you know, it's funny how you start picking up coding here and there and just sort mm-hmm. of like being it, you start by being able to read the contracts that are being launched uh, in solidity on on Ethereum and that's all stuff. I'm sorry, I'll explain some of that. So like Bitcoin was the first one, right? Right, right. Um, and uh, let me see, most people know Bitcoin. That's kind of like, if we're talking from the branding version of cryptocurrency, that I think is the hardest hurdle, first to market, right? Well, yeah, so so real quick, um, the, the, you know, you brought up branding because we talked about um, th- this, this could be just an unwieldy subject, right? It's huge, it's wide, it's ranging. And so mm-hmm. one of the things we wanted to do is talk about it in a way that, that we, at least myself, because Bogey knows a little more than I do, uh, could be in the conversation in a meaningful way. And that is the branding of uh, cryptocurrency, blockchain, that whole space, because um, if, if you polled 10 people, you'd get 10 different opinions on it and mm-hmm. 10 different uh, uh, depths of understanding. Um, some would be wildly crazy. Some would think it's just the dark web. Some would think it's, you know, narcotics and guns. And some would think it's, it's games. And some would think it's ridiculous. It makes no sense. Let me just, I want to do something here just to tee this up, right? 
So I'm reading some things that I pulled down, right? That it operates on the edges of the internet in the financial system and people are wary of it as a Ponzi scheme. And a law professor at U of C Chicago calls it a collective delusion more than a Ponzi scheme. Steve Bannon, the, 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 <laughs> thought, the thought leader uh, douchebag uh, calls it disruptive populism. Okay. Um, right. One of the earliest supporters says, you know, that we saw Bitcoin as a great idea, a way to separate money from the state. Yeah. And Paul Krugman, the New York Times economist, <laughs> says a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or something of a cult and paranoid fan based on paranoid fantasies. So, so like yeah, so, so much of that. Uh, yeah, so I know I you do. I want it. Yeah, I know. I was giving you a bone. So I have to it. not. Um, I have to not come at this like in a tribalistic fashion, right? Like, <laughs> you know, let's talk about it because you know Ponzi's are, are real. But let's expand yeah. the. Let, let, let's apply that word mm -hmm. to other things right? right like think of all of your famous clothing brands you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why do they derive value because a right. lot of people think they do well that would be the definition of a ponzi right a lot of people think a thing has value and therefore it has value right okay right yeah so thinking about it in terms of like current currencies that that currently exist but are backed by nothing except for i don't know the trustworthiness of their government like now imagine that except that it's backed by the trustworthiness of its code right and it's it's digital scarcity and so then you have this system which you could call it ponzi-esque if you'd like to but in doing so you have to call a lot of other things ponzi schemes right like yeah i think a ponzi scheme to 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 work has a bit of a uh, pyramid effect, right? Where you bring people in and that's that's always kind of, uh, the new people are collateral for the people mm -hmm. that are exposed. And, yeah. and, um, and I'm not- Exit the That's yeah, kind of what we not, call it in, uh, in the crypto yeah, world. Right? But, block, but blockchain doesn't really operate that way. It's pretty horizontal, right? I mean, in terms of the fact that like Ponzi schemes usually include some sort of lie that people are believing right like and so they're buying into either a product that doesn't exist or um if it does it's not going to live up to the promised advertised expectations or whatever and then you have i mean we, you know we call them bag holders but you have people that bought in at the top and right. like they you know they're either forced to sell at a massive loss or or whatever and so from that aspect like no cryptocurrency couldn't be a ponzi scheme it's been around for a really long time and at a certain level of people holding tokens in wallets whether it's on like a centralized exchange like coinbase or on their own personal wallets through right. Uh, right. services like metamask or whatever right. like <clears throat> at that point you you kind of do have this collective belief right he calls it a collective delusion well, yeah, it's kind of yeah. interesting that he calls it that because you know i mean Clearly, at some point, it has value and it has like a developer sweat equity share, right? Like, I think 80% of the developer um, pool works on Ethereum, you know? And like, they, a lot of them used to work on Bitcoin, right? And these are real people that are putting in real time. I mean, when you say they're working on it, are they doing more than mining? Are they, are they actually developing the platform? Oh yeah, like, well, okay, so Bitcoin has its own core developers, right? And a lot of them sort of know each other, you know? Um, or even if they don't know each other, they work uh, on, you guys have heard of GitHub? Yes. Yeah, yeah like an open source, like sort of yeah, coding right, platform. Right. Yep, yeah, yep. where people can kind of come together and... Um, yeah, what the, what the internet was yeah. supposed to be. Yeah, well, so um, like GitHub is a really interesting platform where you have a bunch of people all over the world working on code and they do so of their own volition and it's open source, right? So yeah, yeah, you yeah. can see everything that's sort of going on in a GitHub and that's sort of what helps you derive the trust from it, assuming that you can read code and, and see, you know, everything that's being changed and all of the notes and all that kind of stuff. So there's an aspect of this whole system that's just public and i think that there's a huge desire to see like they say the word like there's a buzzword it's called trustless right 
And what they mean by trustless when it comes to like blockchain is sort of that like you don't necessarily you don't have to trust like a single person. Like right. it's 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 in the code, and you can see what's being done. You can see it being done in a public forum, and everything like blockchain is anonymous, but that doesn't mean it's like untrackable. Like if I have a wallet address yeah. and I send you Bitcoin or Ethereum yeah. or whatever, you can see that this address that happens to belong to me but doesn't have any of my numbers on it sent you right. this much money, and your address doesn't have any identity or anything attached to you. It's just you're the one that owns it. I want to dive super deep into this, but like, I know I you do. Realize we got to keep it like up here. Well, we'll um, <laughs> we'll we'll keep a rope we'll keep a rope around your waist and pull you back if you go too deep. But so what I'm hearing, what you're saying, and my my very shallow and recent understanding is um, that that it, it's like anything. Your strength is your weakness. So the strength, right, is well. First of all, there's a paradox uh, inherent, which makes from a branding perspective makes cryptocurrency really intriguing, right? Because paradoxes are very, very attractive in terms All of right, getting so what's, people's what's minds. The well, the paradox is that it's 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 anonymous, but transparent. Yeah. Which is yes. really cool. I mean, to an extreme both ways, which is which is right. really cool. Um, your strength is your weakness and that that transparency makes it very hard for people to uh, hack the system and to cheat and to steal, but if that happens, it's not reversible. So yeah, the like, stakes, there's no safety net. Let's let's talk about that for a second, because yeah. a lot of I think mainstream media likes to throw around the word hack, right. and like there's a bunch of different types of hacks that you can do, right? Mm -hmm. But like if we're talking, somebody uses some form of whatever to get into your wallet like mm -hmm. there's only like a couple of ways to get into somebody's wallet because it's so cryptographically secure like right. you have to give them your keys which your is key, a yeah. 12 word seed phrase that uh opens your wallet sorry i'm keeping mm -hmm. it up here um yep. <laughs> uh, but essentially like the only way that they're going to get your security phrase, which is derived from those 12 words, is like, okay, so maybe you connected to a less than reputable site and right. you happened to be typing something. It's called a keylogger, right? So somehow, yeah. maybe you downloaded a torrent or you visited some kind of weird porn website or something like that yeah. where it connects yeah. to your thing. Um, they can download a keylogger into your computer and then as you're copying and pasting all this stuff, see, keyloggers are really hard to utilize in my mind because it gives every single input you've ever put onto your computer so, yep. so out of all of those inputs it actually has to find the specific thing and then enter it in and hopefully that works but like the idea right. that somebody would just randomly guess 12 words and it open up any oh, it's, wallet it's, is yeah, like it's one in the number of the stars well like, yeah, you know what i mean it's, like that's, yeah it's, tw it's 12 times 11 times 10 times 8 times you know i mean it, yeah it, it's yeah, so it, it's, it's like it's, it's yeah, wild so trillion. so like in terms of like you know and and this is really funny because because there's this general view of what the word hack means like mm -hmm. you have mainstream media using it saying like such and such exchange got hacked and it's really funny because yeah. people are using that in the same way that like other brands have some sort of like a what do you Firewall. call it like a scandal yeah like because yeah, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, of times yeah. like an exchange can get hacked and then all of its money gets drained yeah but for all you know that is just the exchange being really clever and washing it through a bunch of other stuff and paying themselves like <laughs> i mean so well, <laughs> they like to use that to make cause fear right so <laughs> it's uh it's interesting like actual hacks on bitcoin on ethereum on pretty much anything they don't really happen now well, we do have certain things called rugs we, we call this a colloquial term we call them rugs we call them a rug pool so somebody launches like a, that's more ponzi oriented stuff and that can happen because you have anonymous stuff on a public ledger right so somebody launches this really cool sounding project and a bunch of people t send their tokens mm -hmm. to buy into that token blah 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 they've built in to that system that they can basically just pull the liquidity pool 
cash it out and then they keep it for themselves that we would call it for like a rug pull so it drives the value up and then they pull all of their liquidity out and everything drops to nothing and becomes useless So here's 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 why we're talking about this. We're we're on the verge, at least we sense that we're on the verge of cryptocurrency stepping, if if you imagine in your mind an adoption curve, mm-hmm. right? And you have innovators, those are the guys in 2009, 2010, right? Um, and then the early adopters, right? Mm-hmm. And you're you're probably uh a late adopter right or a mid adopter right and so because i was around in early 2017 early early the innovators for like because the main one that i work on is ethereum and then all of the layer applications that come with that and so that truly happened 2016 area yeah yeah and so like that would be considered like those innovators. Like I would be okay. considered an early adopter from like a right. retail perspective. Like I didn't okay. get into like launching projects and stuff until later. Right, right. So, so the reason I'm bringing that up is, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, I was just looking like the history is crazy. This is why it's like speculation, weirdness, gold rush. Like people stand back going, I'm not, I'm not getting into that mosh pit. Right. right. I mean, I mean, if you just go back three years, it was a, Six, Bitcoin was at 6,300. And yeah. then in October, in, in, in October of this year, just a month ago, it was 67,000. And now mm-hmm. it's at 57,000, right? Yeah. So the volatility is unsettling, right? It, and, it's massive. And, yeah. and you're kind of, part of the reason it jumped in October, right, is the SEC just approved an ETF yep. on Bitcoin, right? Cash and settled, so, but yeah, I mean... Still yeah, good. and then and then uh, we we uh, an RFP came across our desk. Um, have no idea if we'll you know get in, but we submitted, and it it was uh, one of the biggest institutional trading platforms are going full on into cryptocurrency. Yeah. So it's kind of it kind of the signals are there, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of starting to come into. Uh, the next wave of adoption. Um, I, we're not we're not at an early majority yet, but you can see that it's the direction we're it's setting. And so, right. yeah. And so, I think the biggest thing people don't understand. I think everybody realizes what they don't know to the degree that that. Let me put it this way: what what people don't understand is at what point this other currency has value in the real world because it's still like like we still talk about it in terms of money of dollars mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like like that's how that's how we that's how we kind of describe its value but you know and and i guess people don't think that the u.s currency is built on the gold standard all right so you're kind of like okay you kind of forget that mm-hmm. but but what is Bitcoin built on other than Bitcoin? And we keep, we keep defining or describing it in terms of currency, U.S. dollars or mm-hmm, euros. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's like 50,000 euros, $57,000 um, right now. And you're kind of like, at what point do you, can you take Bitcoin and buy? And like Tesla has taken it now, right? So you can mm-hmm. buy a car with Bitcoin, right? So that's a breakthrough, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it's breaking through into the carbon world, right? Where I can take my Bitcoin and buy a vehicle that I can actually sit in and move through space and time in, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's this virtual world, this meta, is it just going to be the currency for the metaverse or is it actually going to come in? Is there going to be a fusion? Is it going to be an alternate? Like this is, this is what we're, yeah, go ahead, Bo. We're talking and it's, and I think from, even from a branding perspective, right? It's like, Cryptocurrency, I don't, I don't think it was built for this world. I, I really think it's built for the next world. And we don't fully grasp what that next world is, but we're beginning to get like symptoms of it and be able to get some sort of hints of it 
with things like the metaverse i feel like i feel like that's kind of the hot thing right everyone's talking about meta everyone's not yeah but yeah, like, yeah 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 you know what i mean that. but there's yeah. but there's something to be said about that next world um as opposed to the current world where digital currency lives within a platform whether it's right. a video game or an organization so like Man, Apple Pay, Apple Pay, so many really awesome I, stuff that you like have Apple. no idea. Like you have no idea that this is like this is exactly what's happening. Yeah. So like if we're talking about a metaverse, right? Like right. the moment that the metaverse was conceived, right, that there would be like a virtual world, then real life became a part of the metaverse. It's just a portal that you go through to get to. Okay, this oh. is real life, and then you go through a portal and you get to. There's there's so many cool spaces out there. Like um, Mozilla Hubs is great. Like you can create this like little platform and you can meet all of your friends online there and you can decorate it and dress it up, whatever you want. And then there's something else that's more like a Super Nintendo style gather platform, which is essentially Zoom like we're doing now, except you get this little like 16 bit avatar and like you can walk around. If you're standing on the same rug, you can interact with each other and then you can go into a different room and have meetings over there. Like we have meetings with our nerd DAO. Um, in this little gather thing and then you have the actual metaverses that are going on web3 stuff right so on on chains stuff that you can own property sandbox is a huge one um they've partnered together with like a bunch of like big name people and like they have their own currency called you know i think it's called sand um and then uh that you can buy like a plot of land and you can it increases or decreases in value based on the the people who move in around you, you know what I mean? But how like, does that, how mean, does that how does that shift from a game to actual actual land that's a part of the planet? It doesn't, right? Uh, no, but like, okay, in uh, okay, we're gonna get a little sci-fi here, right? So, like, if yeah. you're talking about a currency that unites these things, yeah, think about like space travel. I know that that sounds crazy, but the idea that you can have an immutable blockchain, so something that you do not have to question, that mm -hmm. one value gets sent from here to here, it happens, and there's no way to disrupt that. Well, now when you talk about interplanetary travel, like you actually have a system where you could actually send money from, let's say, the moon to the Earth, and all it is is it's a pause transaction until it gets to a point where it can publish the chain right like it's right. really cool how you, there's there's like interplanetary applications to this there's well i think connecting our it, world to the digital world applications to this there's see i think yeah and i there. think and i think the blockchain i think a lot of people see the value in the blockchain there are a lot of uh conventional players or i should say a lot of players in in conventional currency mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. that see and have seen for several years the merit of the blockchain and probably want to get their hands all over the blockchain and use the blockchain instead of, you know, what they're using now with Visa and MasterCard and that kind of crap, right? So, um, all of which you own some kind of cryptocurrency now. So, it, like, a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, they do. Yeah, because they bought in already. Yeah. Well, man, yeah. Visa to, bought to, a punk, which is like yeah. an NFT, which is another layer to this whole thing. Yeah, Digital we're going to go there. We're going, stuff. we're going yeah. to NFT because I know you got your, you got your hands dirty in that stuff. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it is, it is kind of like, what is this guy who, somebody at Deloitte, uh, a, a principal, one of, one of the partners or principals at Deloitte said that, um, um, Big financial companies are getting involved because they and they're identifying where blockchain will eat their profits. And so their choice is do I cannibalize my myself, my current business, or do I let someone else cannibalize me? And they're deciding I'm going to cannibalize myself. And so they're they're starting to get positions in blockchain because they see that's that's a better system for currency exchange. Yeah. So talking about it from like a branding level, right? Yeah. Like I'm sure yeah. you guys have had brands that were incredibly successful mm -hmm. and then something innovative comes up. Disrupt. Yeah. And starts to just pull like kind of vampirically pull from them. Right. Like yep, yep. traditional finance is probably always going to be around. Right. Like there's, it's, it's too, it's, it's too ingrained. Yeah. It's too yeah, ingrained. exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so like, but you have, you haven't had really any rising stars since I would say maybe PayPal, but even PayPal right. very quickly mm -hmm. got integrated into mm -hmm. banks. 
Well, and right? the and the banks and the banks created Zelle to compete with PayPal. Exactly. Right. And yeah. and so like PayPal only really had value because you had eBay, which was now this like mm-hmm. yeah. essentially online uh yeah, marketplace. I was gonna call it a garage sale because like that's yeah. what early eBay <laughs> yeah, was. I know. Like, I mean <laughs> Yeah, it still is. Etsy yeah. is the garage sale now. The cool thing is that Etsy has this like super strong user base and like they've like Etsy is very good at telling them when certain bills are getting passed uh, like in different mm-hmm. countries you we're know, talking real, about brands right so real, like you yeah, have a brand I mean, that's coming up and you're like how do i combat how do i combat that because traditional finance is super secretive right but everybody right. looks at them as like they're in a suit they're in a tie they make people money they make themselves money and every now and then they get slapped on the hand because they fuck things up funny thing is banks don't actually get slapped on the hand that much it's always like the markets that get slapped on the hand but like Thanks to the ones that make that happen. So yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, kind of like, yeah. it's really funny how they kept themselves distant from that um, image. But uh, but now you have this this brand coming up that's like, I mean, in, in all honesty, like, why do you keep your money in a bank? So people don't steal it. Yeah. Right? Like, yep. not for the interest. People don't keep a bunch of cash underneath their mattress, right? So you trust your bank. Your bank does it because there's insurance now and there's safety and there's security and there's all that stuff. Yeah, you exactly. also get a whopping 0.0001% interest on your savings. So <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And so it's funny because now you have this completely like, and most people don't understand what goes on behind a bank. It's very complicated. Um, and these are, these are tools that were developed over hundreds of years, right? Like mm-hmm. to essentially maximize the value in every single dollar or euro that's put into it right yeah 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 um yeah so like i don't know what you would call a bank's brand from your guys's perspective what is the brand of a bank yeah i mean i i've worked oh my god i've worked on so many um financial brands from launching bank one out of first usa and before that uh they they launched uh, Wingspan, which was the, the country's first purely digital bank. It was the first one to, in 99. So a brand would be so, considered, this is how we want the public to perceive us, like yeah. an image? Can yeah, I, what's can the val- yeah, what's the value proposition? So like the whole reason we're called Meaningful is trying to help companies or brands find uh, a relevant, meaningful place in the, the mental, lands- the mental yeah, landscape. Okay. Yeah, like why do, why do I matter? Um, and if it's just price or convenience, you know, it's you're, you're a retail brand and you're going to get, you know, somebody else comes in at a better price or faster, you know, as Zappos comes in and, and, you know, has a return label and no, no charge, they're going to, they're going to eat your lunch, you know, so right. the decisions made in the mind. So you essentially are trying to put it's, a it's brand's equity. message. It's emotional. Yeah. Right. It's emotional yeah. equity. Right. So it, I think it, you talked to me once about uh, yeah. Nike, right. And just yeah. do it. Right. Like, and just like how powerful that was. Well, like, it's powerful. But how do you extend it, that to a bank? Like, you know what I mean? Like that's well, every, every functional benefit. I shouldn't say every for the vast majority of companies or brands, the functional benefit is, is a commodity, right? Mm-hmm. Banks are not all that different. They give you shit interest and they hold your money. Right. And all right. Um, but, but they make you feel like you're winning by using them. And if, if you need help, if you need extended credit, if you need something, you, you hope you can work with them, right? You hope right. they're there for you, right? You want, you need a, you need a car loan, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Safety, and, friendly neighbor helps you. Yeah. And need, which, which is all, all kind of stuff. which, which is all difficult right now because institutional trust is at a historic low and that an <laughs> yeah. institutional, you, you know why it's because of the internet, because we live in an age of transparency because anything can be known around the world within 20 minutes, right? I can know what happened in Kazakhstan. I can know what happened in New Delhi. I can know what happened in Chicago, mm-hmm. anywhere in the planet within 20 minutes or 10 yeah. or whatever. So, so we see the politicians, we see the executives, we see the companies, we see, and we see the duplicity, we see the hypocrisy, we see the shadowy kind of you know, behind, behind the scenes. And so we just, it's a defense mechanism. You just, you just lower your trust. You actually don't lower it. You, you, you stuff it away. 
because trust is something that it's inherently human that you have trust that you want to give somewhere but you won't until you think it's safe that's why marriages right are like yeah. so it's they're so tenuous because if trust is broken can it ever be repaired you know and so the, uh -huh. trust is an important it's a human element it's not just a commerce thing mm -hmm. but but because humans are part of the commerce right trust is necessary and so branding helps with trust and when branding point actually yeah. when branding yeah. is bullshit, when it's fabricated and made up and inflated and you, the trust is broken you've really possibly done irreparable damage and that's why authenticity is so important and that's why transparency is so important it's it's actually healthy for a brand to publicly wrestle with its challenges right and a master at this was howard gossett way back in the 50s he would do things about for the irish whiskey distillers are we for pride or profit like the product that we lovingly craft, our whiskey, Irish whiskey, the best in the world, in our opinion, is now there's a trend and it's being used in Irish coffee. Well, that's great revenue for us, but we feel horrible that it's being poured into coffee. So what do we do? And he did a whole campaign on this where people clip, this is in the 50s, people clip mm -hmm. coupons and sent in with a peacock or, or a meat grinder. Am I, am I for pride, peacock or profit, meat grinder? he was brilliant he was socializing before social media even existed in the mind of people anyone. kind of buy into one side or the other this is yeah really his yeah, yeah and his print ads they when they got to the bottom of the page it would just stop mid-sentence and then continue the next week or two weeks later in the next issue at that same word it would just continue and run on so he was brilliant in many ways but but the the point the reason that was a bit of a sidebar but the reason i brought him up is he was a master at building a brand by being utterly transparent mm -hmm. like john deere I, I played that card with john deere one time where it's like they make such a great product it never breaks down well that that's kind of a bad business model right if i've got a 40 year old john deere and all i all i need to do is replace the seat cushion and i'm good to go Who's, who's buying the new tractors, right? And so right. we did a whole bunch of really cool advertising about that. And so, but, but to actually wrestle with that publicly gives you a narrative that nobody else, Kubota, Toro, nobody else could touch that. Right. Right. Well, and so bringing this all the way back up to like banks yeah. and branding yeah. for banks is like a hundred percent of all banks are going into this trust. Trust is their underlying brand, correct? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys are the masters in the branding space. Well, that's I that's why that's why certain. banks, the architecture of banks is the way they were, right? To look formidable. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and like so much of what goes on behind once I've deposited automatically my paycheck, which I work for into a bank, mm -hmm. like you know cognitively that that bank is going to utilize I probably like 90% of every dollar you put in there to different loans so that it makes its money on interest. We all yep. know that this happens. Right. We all know right. that this breaks the system pretty regularly, like, you yeah. know, like, yeah. or at least, yeah. you know, it's enough that the, you know, the zeitgeist knowledge about banks is that like, oh, the money I have in there is mine up to a certain degree. But like, if everyone were to go and storm the banks to withdraw money, there wouldn't be enough. Right. right. So we know right. this all happens, but we sort of like, like you said, push that aside for convenience or whatever. And now mm -hmm. you have this rising brand of cryptocurrency which is a direct competitor to banks and visa right. and mastercard right and mm -hmm. their brand like if banks were trust and that was their brand mm -hmm. then cryptocurrency's brand would be trustless well, it's so cryptic. so safe you don't even need to like talk about it which is interesting because it subverts that whole, hey, trust us, we're the good guys. It subverts it immediately in one word. Like, I mean, it's kind of cool. Um, but well, it's, also, well, it's counter. Yeah. It's also counterintuitive, which is intriguing and challenging, right? Trustless, aside from being a squirrely word. And so I, you've got me leaning in now with a question mark over my head. What do you mean by trustless? It's like trust is not necessary. Trust is not necessary. It just yet, is. Yet, yet, yet. Now that leaves me with 
something that's built into foundationally into my existential worldview, right? Is that mm -hmm. money's so important. I have to trust where I put it. Even if I dig a hole somewhere, I've got to trust, mm -hmm. right? Yet you're saying you don't need trust anymore. And that's very hard to, to create a vacancy if you're not replacing it with something. Well, yeah. and who are the main people that are opponents to this? All of the people that you just read off yeah. are in some way yeah. involved in the financial banking market. Right. Right. And so, like, well, to them, how? Oh, go ahead, Bogey. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I was gonna just say, like, you know, cryptocurrency is is attempting to create that trust in its transparency, right? That's mm -hmm. that's the whole point of the transparency, right? Well, but it, but it needs to it needs to shed this hangover from the early days and perhaps even now that it's operating on the fringes. It's black market. It's nefarious. It's dark web. Those it's are a lot of buzzwords that, that happened, you know, but that's, yeah. I mean, you can't help what your early adopters were. Like you talked right, about, right, um, right. Uh, we talked about this once, the guy that bought the Bitcoin pizza, right? A lot of people like to talk yeah. about that, right? And like, right. ten, like 10,000 That was the first Bitcoin really public like thing, yeah. right? That people right. knew about, right? It was a dude buying pizza and a, and a, and a small right. business owner accepting these coins for fun, right? Yes, yes. And like, yet what's been spun and this is silk road yeah. this is everybody's yeah. buying acid yeah. tablets and you know like speaking of silk road is it right that that guy has two life sentences i mean was he that bad i mean i'm doxxed here on this like you know thing and that just means that i'm now known but my you know <laughs> i think he shouldn't have ordered any kind of like murders or whatever but like there is a certain degree to where if you offer a market up to anybody who wants to create buy sell whatever yeah, and it's a yeah. truly free market system yeah are you really the one responsible for negative things happening if you've got a giant group of people that want yeah. to do all of these terrible things like right. i'd say you have a culture problem and not a market problem you know what i mean like, well yes yes and that's and that's kind of the weak excuse now that, that facebook and twitter you know facebook more so trying to wiggle out from under oh we're just you know look you're not the internet when you become a media company and oh, you're man. a media and company like, so before yeah. silk road yeah all this shit was still happening but whose <laughs> who's blockchain was it happening on? The United States dollar or any current whatever country that we're just using dollars to trade hands. And then it's sort of like, oh, they tout how horrible blockchain is for like making all of the Silk Road stuff happen. And it was sort of like, well, no, I think you just got a much more transparent view of what's currently happening in your own currency. <laughs> you know? Okay, so that's like, interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's yeah. something to be said for that. It's well, like, and, and well, that's talking the same about thing. all the drug deals and whatever. What do you think yeah. they hold, man? They hold <laughs> yeah, like US like they just started. They yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and it's the same thing with data, like with you know all the digital intelligence and stuff. Is your click through rates are still on par with direct mail of the 1980s? So it's not like all this data is making you more intelligent. You're just, you just know in real time how shitty you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Now that you have this much wider adoption and kind of this much wider intellectual space about what blockchain does, that yeah. it's fully transparent and it is used in the transfer of funds. And then you have Ethereum, which is transfer of funds decentralized applications, decentralized yeah. finance, all yeah. this stuff, right? Yeah. Like all of that stuff is really good. It actually has pushed the people who are like the drug dealers and everybody to a totally different coin, which is currently illegal to own in the United States called Monero. And that's because they can do private transactions. You can do privacy transactions. It, it utilizes a certain protocol to disguise the transactions from point A to point B. So, so can you take, take dive into take, that? Well, be, as you do, just keep this in mind, too, because I was I was very intrigued when I discovered this in my reading, that kind of cloaked, shrouded uh, transactions, it sounds automatically like nefarious and illegal and dark. But think about people in uh, totalitarian regimes, you know, like Hong Kong and China. Yeah, like, it helps just as much as it hurts. It yeah, helps I mean them move money and get money out of the country that wouldn't be allowed by the government because the government's hovering over them and not allowing them to do things so they can do things so that's not bad 
you know? And right. so you're kind of like, it's, it's, it's always going to be a mix. Well, and in those kind of scenarios too, you can actually still utilize the layer one stuff, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all that stuff, because a government can't actually yeah, stop right. that anymore. It can't. That's what I was referring to. I, I was referring, do, yeah, yeah, I wasn't referring to Monero. I was referring to Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. And so with Monero, it gets a little bit dicey because the people who are using Monero are specifically interested in veiling their transactions yeah, yeah, from point yeah, A to point B. Yeah. And and a lot of what that does is every blockchain usually has a block explorer. It's the thing that you look at so that you can see every transaction that's currently going on from all of the wallets to all it's of the other wallets. It's an open ledger. Like, it's an open it's ledger. A, it's, it's the open ledger, right, for yeah. that blockchain. And right. with Monero, what you can do is when you look at a transaction hash, like the thing that contains all of the data for that transaction, you can actually like, for lack of a better word, disguise who sent it, how much was sent and who received it. And so that's where it gets really dicey because like, if you now can't see it at all, you like it, yeah, anyway, it just like a lot of strange things utilize that. And like even the layer one stuff, like if you have people who are bad actors in the space, like developers that are stealing people's money or like, you know, creating projects that they can't actually approve and withdraw funds from, they can take that money and sort of wash it through Monero. Um, And, you know, that's where it gets to be sort of like, you know, we can do it, but should we? And like, I think that it has a space. And I think what's good about it is that at least you know where the nefarious people are going, which I'm not trying to say that all of, you know, Monero, like, because the hiding the transactions is optional on that chain. You can keep it public if you want to. And so people are optionally choosing to disguise their stuff. Um, I think there's a value proposition in it for sure. I mean, you have people who are like very rich washing their money through different offshore banks, right? Well, like, yeah, or and shell and companies they, or whatever. Yeah. Like clearly yeah. this is something we already use. We were just now making it on chain where you have well, shell company on shell company on shell company. And then you can yeah. basically like go up in that way. What's interesting is um, the fragmentation, right? Of currency. So it's like, within within our society right within you know to 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 a degree where like the u.s dollar was kind of like the the, the key player on a global market right mm-hmm. um you can now have even to your point which is interesting level one right layer one it's like you have multiple currencies for different uses right mm-hmm. well that changes the game a little bit in the sense of application but also in the sense of branding because now we're not talking about branding as cryptocurrency as a, as, as a, a large, because that could be too big. Now we're talking at Bitcoin versus Ethereum or whatever that the, the currency is. And that changes things up as well. Well, anybody that invests in a category, right, is going to diversify. So they're going to have a little Bitcoin, a little Ethereum, because they're not synonymous, right? It, it, but they Ethereum can't be does, everywhere. They can't, there's too does, many of them. So one of the brilliant and also, in my opinion, bummer side of Bitcoin, right? So the brilliant thing that they did really early on is that Bitcoin sort of became the father of all these other right. coins, right? Right. Right, right, right? And 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 what a lot of people have to realize is that like, uh, okay, so you had Bitcoin that started, boom, big change. Now you have you know uh, third degree accounting and like all this stuff, right? You can copy the code because it's public. Mm-hmm. and launch your own as long as you have people using miners to like make the blockchain move right and so that's where you get litecoin and that's where you get uh doge to a degree was actually just sort of like a for fun test of a changing a different um aspect of of bitcoin right like and like there's a bunch of other just like copies right they call them right. altcoins right ethereum was the only like second birth that was like, it had um, intense utility, like where you could now code applications on top of it that utilize, you know, the layer one for settlements. Now we've kind of moved on to where Ethereum has sort of birthed a couple of different things. You actually have blockchains that you can use for corporate businesses that are, they're private blockchains, if that makes sense, because the utility is there for private 
companies to actually make sure everything is secure, but sort of validate it themselves. But more than that, so you've got Bitcoin, that's a layer one. And then it had all these other like clones, but nothing really like changed a whole lot, right? And then you have Ethereum and it's building a layer two. So Ethereum, trustless, that's its main brand. The layer two solutions that are coming out is that it's really expensive to make transactions happen on Ethereum. It's really expensive to make transactions happen in Bitcoin too, because they're fractionally traded. Every time that I send you a Bitcoin, a fraction needs to get paid to the person who is going to decode the transaction, verify the information inside of it, and then re-crypt it, publish it to the blockchain and say, hey, mm -hmm. this is... But the main point is like, is that when Bitcoin launched and because right. it had all of these sort of children follow afterwards and because we didn't have, like, we had centralized exchanges, but what they did to avoid taxes and different things is they traded in ratio to Bitcoin. Right, right, right. So whenever you have something that trades in ratio to another thing, now it is inherently connected forever. And so even now, like if Bitcoin mm. drops, so does yeah. everything else. And so Bitcoin as a brand would be sort of like the S&P or gold okay. or okay. something that yeah. is a store of value in the sense that this is this is the thing that you buy because it's inherently and, 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 and it connected can be, it, to everything that spawned afterward. What you're what you're touching on opens the door to the whole idea of inflation and how cryptocurrency, Bitcoin in particular, I guess, is is less prone to inflation because because of that structure. And and that the so the mining is a whole story unto itself because yeah, it takes mathematical that's a, that's a wild it takes yeah. yeah it takes mathematical computation that with, with yeah yeah but with every with every block that's added it increases the difficulty of the next block's mathematical equation yeah and, and x amount of blocks happen and then you have what's called like a difficulty bomb or like yeah. a, like something that makes it twice as hard why does so everything that is involved in a transaction on chain you would refer to that as gas. You need a certain amount of money to go to the miner to process mm -hmm. your stuff. Right. Well, now you have sort of like an auction type system where if I offer a miner a lot more money to process my transaction, I can jump the queue, right? So you have people <laughs> that do utilize bots to do this exact thing where like a retail trader wants to like, you know, I want to move Bitcoin from here to there or like, you know, or mm -hmm. I want on Ethereum, like I want to buy this from a decentralized exchange and then they'll immediately hop in and they'll mm -hmm. buy just before you and then they'll sell right after you buy. So even the <laughs> fractional amount that it's gone up, like yeah. they end up profiting like a little bit or whatever. Right. It's really interesting right. stuff. And like a lot of, you know, coding goes into it. So those guys found their market like good for them. I don't want to watch that stuff all day because yeah. you can lose your ass like really quick um, doing bot trading. But um, but yeah, so like the, the interesting part about gas is and, 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 and this is, God, you guys are touching on such good stuff. Okay, so Bitcoin was slow. It was slow and it was expensive. This is why, and you couldn't build anything on top of it. Like the best you could do is make a website that you received Bitcoin from, and then they could have access to your services. Like a lot of gambling sites, a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, now you have places that you can send Bitcoin to pay for your purchases, all of that other kind of stuff. But there was an inherent problem that needed to get fixed. And you have a bunch of like, you know, engineers and uh, computer science types that see the problem. And they're like, hey, we need this to go faster. But the way that Bitcoin is set up to be exclusively reliant on miners to turn, it can't get faster. They tried with a couple right. of different solutions um, that ultimately didn't really like work that well. And like this kind of spawned Litecoin, actually. Like you would trade your money into Litecoin so you could process a transaction faster and cheaper because Litecoin was less money, right? Like, and, and like there were less people using it. And so this is why you have like all of these different Bitcoin clones that happened because Bitcoin was the legit one, but it was slow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so and it was expensive but, but even but still, it was it was faster than uh traditional currency still faster than traditional currency yeah. and cheaper than traditional currency right. if you look right. at what a western union charges to send money from right. point a to point Crazy. b i mean you know yeah. like that kind of stuff. or even yeah. if you use banks to send money from this bank to some international yeah. bank 
and all of the routing that has to go through that and all the yeah, you know, three to five crazy. days and yeah yeah it's bananas yeah like yeah. Uh, it was really funny because you can look up on the public ledger on the block explorer for bitcoin you can look up people transferring 20 million dollars from one point to one point and they paid 40 dollars in gas hmm. and it's just like and it, for all you know like that they were in one country they sent it in advance and they withdrew it in another country later like i mean it's just really cool stuff ethereum was uh supposed to be a solution to that they were going to process things faster right mm -hmm. and in addition they were going to have all of these decentralized applications that you could do on it now you've got games now you've got decentralized ex exchanges that don't need a middleman like a right. bank to settle right. and trade and do all of that right. stuff. You can just right. post your own liquidity pools and then incentivize other people to join those liquidity pools and then like pay them a fraction of all the transactions that are going on. I mean, it's really cool stuff that's going on there. Fundamentally unregulatable. <laughs> and that's why a lot of like governments really hate it because they're like, right. people are transferring assets to other assets in value on a public ledger, but with no social security number and no driver's license and no ID whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and they're making a bunch of money. So how do we pull, you know, and like the government's not getting, they're that. not getting their slice. They're not getting yeah. their cut. So of course yeah, they're yeah. upset because they yeah. basically deemed us what drug dealers and you know, whatever, like fringe people. But now we're making a lot of money doing our thing. And a lot of people are buying into it because a lot of people want just financial freedom. Right. And so how does, how does, so you say we're making so, money. And I, I think this is where a lot of people, the bridges out mentally. So I understand that if I'm on a, on a ledger or a blockchain, um, that there is value exchanged on that ledger, on that network, on that platform. And I mean, it's like, uh, you know, like any online game, like I can get, I can, I can collect Martians or Pac-Man or, or candy or whatever. Right. So I, I, I get that there is within that realm, there's value, but when does that value come onto the right. street where it's like, I can buy a house, I can buy a car, I can retire. Like, how can you retire with Bitcoin? Right. And so a lot of this has to do with adoption. So if we're talking right. about how there's a certain amount of real life application and adoption that hasn't happened yet, you could honestly right. put yourself in the early adopter category. Like you might be able to own an Ethereum, but because you can't use that Ethereum to do what you're talking about, like paying your rent or your mortgage, mm -hmm. um, you know, you can pay for college now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so a lot of the solutions that are coming out there are in like these cards, they're trying to make sort of like a, a card. Crypto.com mm -hmm. has a card and Coinbase has a card and everybody's got a card now. Right. But the problem is they're still connected to centralized banks. And so when you use that, it's, it's inherently still like selling your asset for us dollars and then paying the vendor. Apple pay and Facebook is trying to do that, create like, but it has to start with money. Right. Well, you well you're, you're, you're talking about a new technology, right. That's trying to adapt or work within legacy infrastructure. That's what it is. Right. Right. Yeah. And so what is the goal? The goal for it is you believe in our currency as much as you believe in what pays your rent. Right. So you're happy to accept Ethereum, even if it has to get transacted to US dollars on your end. It's the idea that I can use on chain digital currency to pay for a real life asset. You got cars. I know overstock.com takes Bitcoin so you can get furniture. Um, and I'm sure that they put the majority of it or whatever the cost was for that item, the cost of goods sold or whatever. Maybe they put that back into US dollars. And then they simply utilize this as sort of like a treasury right. asset, you know? Right, um, right. And, and it just depends on if you're bullish or bearish on it, right? Like if you think it's still going right. to go someplace and there's a lot of adoption left to be done, which there is, like yeah. then you would want to keep a portion of it on hand and that would become like your, your sort of your moon bag. You're like, hey, this yeah. could be exponentially worth more later. Yeah. Um, and a lot of what we're doing right now is trying to get like, you know, you get small businesses onboarded, you have payment systems. I know that there's something called Coinbase Pay now, which you can put into your, your website and people can pay you in cryptocurrency while still providing them uh, the physical products and utilizing like mail structure and stuff like that. So this is, this is fundamentally something that's, uh, that's difficult with uh, Web 3.0 decentralized stuff because 
that if I send Ethereum to, let's say, Brian, and Brian is selling me a book, mm-hmm. Brian doesn't want to send me the book because he's not going to be able to get that book back once it gets into the mail, right? And then I'm supposed to pay him once I get the book. Or likewise, I'm supposed to pay Brian, yeah, which I can't get book. that money back because there's you right. don't reverse transactions, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I have to trust that Brian sends me a book. So there's inherently this trust issue here, right? Right. Whereas with eBay, you had PayPal as your intermediary, right? So yes. you bought yeah. something on eBay, you used PayPal to buy it, and then PayPal could yeah. take buyers Guar- and sellers. They'd and guarantee their yeah. stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's having that now you can use escrows and stuff like that to accomplish this task but on the scale that you would need to accomplish it it's unprofitable i would say at least at the current structure so better to come up with a layer that you can put into websites that people can you know still utilize um so that's going to be kind of interesting thing but you do have businesses that are starting to pay it there's rumors about walmart there's rumors about Amazon. Mm-hmm. There's rumors because mm-hmm. it's profitable to take this payment. You have a, a glut yeah. of people in cryptocurrency that want to buy things with their tokens. Okay. Right? So, well, so, and, and, well, and the reason, and the reason this can grow the adoption of let's say Bitcoin um, is because even those that are a finite amount in circulation, they can be, it can be like infinitely fractioned. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. How yeah. much Bitcoin do you own? Me? Yeah. None. I'm all in Ethereum okay. and various other projects. Bogey, how about you? Because I have none, but Bogey, oh, how about you? I, I, I can't disclose that information. Oh, come on. <laughs> Dude, you got our faces on here. This better be just a voice that, only. I think, yeah. I think what's interesting is if just kind of like to summarize and, and looking at the branding component of this all, right? Trust is huge, right? In, in order to be able to have a successful brand, you need to be able to trust it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the trust component is really well connected to the stability of it, right? Um, I would say personally, I think we're we're still in the innovation phase of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that sure, we, you can have big big boys like Walmart start accepting it, but what are they going to accept? Which currency are they going to accept? And that's going to be a variable because it won't be one; it'll be at least two maybe three maybe four or whatever they decide to do and that very nature of that variable i think is what's preventing this to be a major like a mass adoption currency is mm-hmm. because it's still it's it's still innovation from a technology perspective it's still in, innovating and it's not there yet mm-hmm. uh, and we're just at a chapter two you can call it chapter one was bitcoin chapter two is this fragmentation and we're going to hit chapter three eventually Mm-hmm. So that's from a branding perspective. I think the the trust is a is is huge, and and the the innovation aspect of it is it's it's that's the biggest challenge for the brand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we're comparing it to banks, which have very well established sort of trust, or at least face value trust, right? You ha- you have Bitcoin and Ethereum and those ecosystems popping up, and I think the brand of trustless is really interesting and like you said the stability is going to be a big factor but it also doesn't care it doesn't care if you trust it or not like it's going to keep going and doing its thing <laughs> yeah and eventually after years of people saying that it's do whatever people are going to buy in because it's going to prove to you over time that it's what it was all along you know and and that's that's what i'm loving yeah okay I'm starting to think of uh, campaign ideas now based on that last little riff. Um, yeah, I mean, that's ultimately the main power of it, right? Like, yeah. you want people to trust you so that they'll adopt you. But we've already said we're trustless, we're provably trustless because you can see everything that happens. And we're going to keep going and doing our thing. And eventually you'll get on board or you won't. Yeah. And, I, and that's and I fine. Think, like, <laughs> I think that's what a lot of people are sensing now is that. It's, I don't understand it, but I can't ignore it. That's a, that's a FOMO thing, right? Well, and, 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 so, and like Bo was saying, it's, it, we're at that precipice, yeah, right? Yeah, Where yeah. people are trying to sort it all out. You yeah. know, it's less degenerate gamblers who are like, yeah, financial yeah. freedom, because I put my whole life savings in this and, and more like, <laughs> hey, they're offering really attractive APYs on Ethereum to yeah. just 
put my money up and yeah. then they'll get seven to 10% APY on a really stable investment. Like you can't yeah. even, you can barely get that in the stock market. I mean, like it's, it's really attractive. So, and it ultimately doesn't care. It doesn't care if you think that it's trustworthy or not, it's just going to keep doing its thing. And eventually down the road, maybe, maybe you'll be convinced or you won't be. And that's okay too. Like it could be, you know, in a generation, what does it look like? Cool. Uh, yeah well Matt, that, thank no, you so thank much you. man yeah. yeah thanks for having me here guys thanks for listening if you'd like to learn more or be a guest on our show please reach out podcast at be meaningful.co